Welcome home. As you listen to New Life the Fort, may you continue to experience the fullness of joy, life, and Christ in the days ahead. And hello, everyone. Um, and uh, yeah, and we, you know, Pastor Giselle and I, when we were talking about what we were going to preach, and he said, yeah, you know, like, we're doing a Christmas message. I said, yes, but it's also their anniversary. I said, well, you know, it's Christmas, but it's also their anniversary. So what we're going to do is that we're going to do two different messages. I'll do the anniversary one. If you want a Christmas message, come back for the 11. <laughs> but it's all going to be good. Amen and amen. And so are you ready for the word? Because I have, uh, how long do I have? I have as much as I want, right? Like, okay. All right, so let's go to uh, Luke. You know, I did say chapter 1 um, because this wasn't in my notes that I gave to you. So I wanted to start with this. Um, can we go to Luke chapter 1? I'm sorry, I gave the wrong verse to you. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 28. Now, this is one in my notes, but again, um, I love it when I'm here. The Holy Spirit just tells you things. Start with this, start with that. Amen, because he has a word for you. Amen. So, I'm sorry. All right, here we go. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It is an anniversary message, but I will start with Christmas verses, all right? It says, during the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. Now, I want you to see the whole picture here because I think it's a very good platform from which I'm going to preach my message. And then in verse, um, it says in verse 27, continuing, she was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. Then verse 28, now here is where it gets interesting. He said, Gabriel appeared to her and said, grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you. And so you are anointed with great favor. So it starts out with words of favor from the Lord. And I believe with the message that's going to happen this morning, it's going to start out right now with words of favor for this house. Just words of favor for this house. Why? Because he's getting ready to do something amazing and he's ready to do something great. And so he starts out. And says here, grace to you, new life, the fort, for the Lord is with you. And so you are anointed with great favor. And then in verse 29, Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. But the angel reassured her saying, do not yield to your fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. Verse 31, you will become pregnant with a baby boy and you are to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and will be known as the son of the highest. And the Lord God will enthrone him as king on his ancestor David's throne. And he will reign as king of Israel forever and his reign will have no limit. Now, can you imagine these very words spoken to a 14-year-old virgin? Words that probably overwhelmed her. And therefore... In verse 29, it says, Mary was deeply troubled and bewildered over these words. And, and sometimes when words of greatness and words of favor are spoken over us, we can become a little bit bewildered and say, all right, it's wonderful. And, but what does this mean? And, you know, like um, 
here in New Life, the fort, God is getting ready for you to, to step into something greater than you've ever imagined. And words like that are, are spoken over you. And, and sometimes we may feel, like maybe Pastor Mitch and Alvin, that you may feel, oh, okay, God, what is it? And what is it going to mean for us? And there's a little bit, and not in a negative way, a little bit of maybe anxiety, like, okay, how, how far are we going to stretch, God? Okay, what, what are you going to make us do, God? But I love what the angel said, do not yield to your fear. Do not yield to your fear of the unknown. Why? For the Lord has found delight in you, new life, the fort, and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. Now, these, these, this, these verses were just spoken to me today. I'm reading them out, and I'm just speaking out, even right now, what I believe the Lord wants spoken over this house. I believe this is from the Spirit of God. And, and I, I believe that today, a God is causing seed to fall into the heart of this house, and you will become pregnant with a wonderful, wonderful seed that you will carry and grow in the description of the seed is so awesome and so wonderful. Obviously here it is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says here he will be supreme, be known as the son of the highs. He said, your seed, that will be Jesus. That will be salvation. And I believe that in this house, the seed that is going to be sown is for the salvation, not just of this place, not just of this community, but of this nation and of the nations of the world. That seed is going to be planted in the heart and the womb of this house for greater things. And then in verse 34, which is what all our natural minds are prone to think, but Mary said, but how could this happen? I'm still a virgin. How could this happen? Things like that. It's so wonderful. And I'm a virgin and nothing like that is ever going to happen. It's really impossible, God. And we have all these things in our minds and all these questions. And how is it going to happen? I mean, how can a virgin give birth, right? I mean, it's the first time it's ever happened. I don't think it's ever going to happen again. All right? So many of you there, you know, no excuses. So um, how could this happen? I'm still a virgin. And right there and then with the message of salvation and the message of Christmas, we see an impossibility become a possibility. With the message of Christmas, can you, can, can you see this? With, with the greatest news on earth comes the principle that, hey, Nothing is impossible with God, which is exactly what the angel Gabriel said. But how is this going to happen? And you life the fort, I have words for you. In verse 35, Gabriel answered and said, The spirit of holiness will fall upon you. And almighty God will spread a shadow and of power over you in a cloud of glory. I can just see this house right now. You're believing for a huge place. But you don't have to wait for that huge place. For this atmosphere of glory to continue to fill this house because that's how the impossible is going to happen the spirit of holiness will fall upon you new life the fort and almighty god will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory i believe that's the message right now i haven't even started with what i prepared but i just feel so strongly and then he continues to declare, this is why the child born to you will be holy. He will be called the son of God. What's more, your aged aunt, 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 Elizabeth has also become pregnant with a son. The barren one is now in her sixth month. So what, what, what God is saying, hey, you know what? I'm doing this everywhere. You might think it's only happening to you. 
But there are so many people out there I'm bringing this good message to. Hey, you know, even, even your, your cousin, Elizabeth, even your agent. Wasn't that the cousin? Why does it say aunt here? But anyway, so Elizabeth is pregnant, who was barren, is now on her sixth month. See, see, and he was telling Mary, I can do the impossible. New Life the Fort, I can do the impossible. It's not the first time I'm going to be doing it, God is saying. So don't get worried. I've been doing this all my life. This is what I do. This is what God is saying. Verse 37 says, Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. And then this must be our response. This must be the words flowing out of our mouth. This must be the Christ within us responding to an overwhelming, impossible thing that has just been spoken over our lives. And Mary responded saying, this is amazing. And then your mind might be going, but then your spirit goes, this is amazing. You know, I will be a mother for the Lord. And as his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. So new life, the fort, accept whatever God has for you. Don't worry about the stretching. Don't worry about, oh, the believing, the stepping out in the unknown and whatever, whatever it is. Just accept what God has for you. And he says, may everything you have told me come to pass. And may everything that was spoken over this house comes to pass. In Jesus' name. And so I wanted to start out with that, that beautiful Christmas message going into the anniversary message. <laughs> because, because there are things that are impossible that might be spoken to you, but I want you to know God is in the business of making impossible things possible. And that is kind of my message. That was all introduction right there. So let me just get into my iPad and start from the very beginning of my message. Amen. I love it when the Holy Spirit moves. I believe this, this church is going to go further than you've ever imagined, than Giselle and I ever imagined. Right? <laughs> than Giselle and I ever imagined. Why? Because he's the God who does exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. I don't know what you're imagining. I think you're imagining very, very great things. Great things even beyond what we spoke over you guys. But then you're going to take it there. And I really believe this church is going to move into greater heights of glory. Greater heights. Greater. Why? Because God is moving. And when he moves, we move. You know, whenever God said in the Bible to the disciples, you come follow me. When Jesus says, come follow me, we go where he is. He doesn't go where we are. We go where he is. We go where he is. And yes, you know, sometimes, you know, we're like, oh, and then he goes, no, but you know what? We're in a higher level now. We go where God goes. We follow him. We go into his situation. You know, we, we go into that plane, that platform, that level where he is. That, that's what he's doing. When he moves, we move. No questions asked. Oh, but I don't understand. Well, you don't have to have understanding to obey. Hello, kids. You don't have to have understanding to obey. Sometimes when you're little children and you say something, they say, why? Well, you don't have to understand why. Just do it. Right? Because sometimes you explain, explain, explain. It gets tiring. And then they don't, they're like, but I don't understand exactly. That's why I just obey. But we obey because we trust God because he is good. 
And even if we don't understand this one thing, we do know that he only has good for us. He only has good, he good plans for us, plans to prosper us, plans uh, to give us a hope and a future. So why do we need to understand everything? We don't have to understand everything. We just step out. We just obey. Amen. All right. Isaiah 43, 18 to 19 in the Amplified Version. It says here, do not earnestly remember the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I am, and God says, I am. God is the one doing it. I am doing a new thing. Say new. New thing. New meaning fresh. Fresh. It's, it's fresh. It's a now thing. Now. And that's what exactly what he says. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive and know it? And will you not give heed to it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Here you go. Impossibilities becoming possibilities. He says, I'm doing a new thing and I will do it and it will be impossible, but I'm going to make a way for that to happen. But how many of you know it requires from us a renewing of the mind? Because we don't think like this. We're thinking, how can that be? We're thinking, well, how is that going to happen, God? That's how we think. Well, let's not be condemned. That might be our first response, Right? But God is saying, no, we, you, you need to renew your mind. You, you need to think the way I think. And I love this verse in Luke chapter 5, verse 37 to 39. He's talking about new wine being poured into old wineskins, obviously an illustration of how God wants our minds to be open to what he wants to do in our lives. And so let's read Luke 5, 37 to 39. It says, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst the wine skins and be spilled and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins and both are preserved and no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new for he says the old is better. So what was God doing here? God was warning the Pharisees of the dangers of having a closed mind. He said, if you have a closed mind, you will never receive the new things that I have for you. And what happens is that new wine, when new wine is poured out in a container, and at that time they used wineskins. They didn't use glass bottles like we do today. They used wineskins, and new wineskins were very flexible. You know, uh, they, they could conform to any uh, shape that you wanted it to. And with new wine, when you pour new wine into the wineskin, it actually exerts a lot of pressure. And when new wine exerts pressure and it expands, if you pour it into an old wineskin, the old wineskin can't handle it because it's brittle, it's old, and the wineskin is going to burst, and then the new wine is poured out and sayang, right? But what God is saying is this, no, the new wine I'm going to pour out on you, it's going to exert some pressure. The new wine I'm going to pour out is going to expand you. It's going to cause you to stretch like you've never stretched before. And how many of you know if you've never exercised and you start stretching, it's painful. And so what happens is that he says, no, I need new wineskin. Why? Because a new wineskin will expand with the pressure. New wineskin can take it. A, a renewed mind can take the impossible. A renew, to the renewed mind, the impossible is very logical. To the renewed mind. But to the unrenewed mind, it's not. And what God is saying, if I'm going to do a new thing in this house, then we must come into this new thing with new wineskins. Amen. 
And then some people say, well, the old is better. Well, obviously, you know, people, you know, they, they just want to get comfortable. But I believe that New Life, the fort, is not a place where people want to get comfortable. Because mature people, they want to progress. They want to grow. They want to expand. They want to increase. How many of you here can tell me today that you are content right where you are? You're happy. You're like, you know what, God, I'm good. You don't have to do anything else. Even if your life was good. And I'm not saying just because you're going through something and there are probably many people here are going through some challenges and you're saying, well, God, I need something new. But some people here might be saying, well, I've got it good. Well, well how many of you, here, of you here, you have it good and you're okay? None, right? Because you know there's more. Because there's something on the inside of you, the Christ in you, that just says, no, I will not settle for anything less than what God has for me. And by, I believe that God... With God, that's what he wants to do. Amen. So God is calling us into new things. And you know it's new because you haven't been there before. You haven't been there before. You can't describe it. And when we don't understand things, we have a tendency to reject. We have a tendency to move back because we don't understand it. But it's okay to not understand. Just move forward. Just obey. Amen. Again, understanding is not a requirement for obedience. It's not. When God says jump, you don't ask why. You ask how high, Lord. When God says step out, you don't ask why. You just say how far, Lord. When God says pray, you don't ask why. You say how long. When he says give, you don't ask why. You say how much, Lord. Come on, why? Because if God gives you an instruction, for sure he gives you the anointing to fulfill that instruction. Amen. Hallelujah. So when Jesus says, follow, Jesus says, follow me, don't ask why. Just follow. Don't expect him to join your situation. Why? He's pulling you into his. That's what he's doing. He's not going to like, you know, oh, he, he might be there. He might go into your situation. He's not going to stay there with you. He's going to go into your situation. He's going to pull you out with grace and with mercy. Amen. You don't stay where you are. You go where he's going. Isaiah 45 verse 2 says, I will go before you and level the mountains to make the crooked places straight. I don't care if what you see. No, I care. But you know what I mean. It doesn't matter. Maybe that's a better way to say it doesn't matter if what you see ahead of you is crooked. God says, I'll go before you. I'll level the mountains. I'll make the crooked places straight. I will. He says, I will. I will. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut asunder the bars of iron. I mean, these are impossible things. And God says, you know, you just, just follow me. I'm going before you. He's called the forerunner. What does a forerunner mean? He goes before you. He prepares the way. He says, okay, this obstacle here, I'm going to take care of that. This obstacle here, I'm going to get, come on, come on, come on. Just come up and follow me. Amen. Hallelujah. So a forerunner, he's a forerunner. What does a forerunner mean? One who comes um, to a place in advance. In advance, where the rest are to follow. So are we going to follow? Because God is moving. He's calling us into new and uncharted territories. New uncharted territories and we might not know exactly where we're going but i do know this thing number one he's gone before us that's all you ever need to know god is with you number two if he has gone before you you know it's going to be good 
you just know it, it's going to be good. I didn't say it's not going to be, it's, it's not going to be challenging. It's not going to stretch you. It's not going to be, you know, I didn't say it's not going to be uncomfortable. I did say it's going to be good. It's going to be good for you. It's going to be good for us, for this house. The third thing you need to know, you might not know where you're going, but you know you can't stay here anymore. You know you can't maintain. You can't just maintain. You can't just be complacent. You know, sometimes the best reason to move forward is because you just can't stay here anymore. Like, why are you moving forward? I don't know. It's just that I can't stay anymore. It's just, you know, I, I know there's more. I don't know what lies ahead of me, but right here, right now, no. Jesus is right there. He's beckoning. He's calling. He's saying, come, just like Peter, come, come. And Peter, it didn't matter the wind, the waves, whatever. He walked on water and went to where Jesus is. And say, well, you know, he, he sank. Yeah, but he got up again. Sometimes we'll sink up to here. But immediately, 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 Jesus was there to help him up. And they both walked together to the boat. Together. And those dry boat sitters were going, Probably in their mind thinking, I wish I could have walked on water, right? Well, there will be no regrets in this place in Jesus' name. So we move forward, amen? We must resist the temptation to maintain and to remain. And also, don't rest on past failures, but also don't rest on past success. Don't look to your success and try to replicate it. Don't try to reproduce past success. Look forward to new ones. Just look forward to new ones because if we try to reproduce, the Spirit of God is not a formula. The Spirit of God is so dynamic. And we need to be keen and say, you know, like what he did before is good, it's great, it's wonderful. But you know what? He might have other instructions, right? That's why David, David was a man after God's own heart. He inquired constantly of the Lord in battle. God gave him a strategy for one battle and then the next battle came. He didn't say, well, God gave me a strategy before, might work now. No, David inquired again of the Lord and God gave him a different strategy. And so here, as we move forward with God, resist the temptation to rest on your success. Rejoice in it, but don't rest on it. Rejoice, remember but then move forward expecting new things. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't produce what you have already experienced. I'm also preaching to myself. Yes. Don't produce what you've already experienced. Continue to talk about what's ahead. Continue to talk about what's ahead. What's ahead. Forget the good old days. The good old days. The good old days. No, there's good new days coming. It's good new impossible days coming that we're going to walk in. Continue to talk about that. Let them flow out of your mouth. Let your words go before you. Let the word of God go before you. What do you see? And when you see, you declare what you see. Don't allow your faith to get stagnant. Don't allow your faith to, faith to get stuck into a routine. How many of you know faith is important? Faith and grace, they're, 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 they're linked together. You can't have one without the other. Faith and grace, you know. I love this verse, Romans 5, 1 to 2. Am I still okay? Meaning, like, I'm jumping back and forth these verses, and um, I can do all things, you know. Romans 5, 1 to 2 in the New Living Translation says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have been justified through faith, right? So we don't forget faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into what? This grace into which we now stand. 
We're standing on the grace of God. That's the solid rock on which we stand. We stand on the grace of God, but our faith is the one that causes us to have access into a grace that's already been available to us. And so grace and faith, they're linked. We, we, we cannot access anything without faith. We cannot access what grace has already freely given without faith. But see, we cannot, without grace, there's nothing to access. <laughs> you know? And so, and so the just shall live by faith. And there are things that God has prepared for this house, for your life, for your family, for your children, for your health, that we must access by faith because it's already been given by the grace of God. Amen. So I don't want my faith to get stagnant. I don't want it stuck into routine. Because faith, faith is like a muscle. You know muscles? Okay, it's like a muscle. It grows with use. Faith grows with use. You have to keep using your faith. That's why the just shall live by faith. But like a muscle, a muscle is already there when a child is born. You don't work to get muscles. You're born with them. Right? You already have the God kind of faith. You were born again with it. You already have faith, so you're not working to get faith. But you're growing your faith. You see the difference. You're not trying to get faith. You already have it. But you need to grow it with use. It's just like your muscles. You, you, were, you were already born. But a baby that never uses their muscles, their muscles are going to atrophy. And you know what's going to happen? You know, you'll never be able to use it. That's why when the babies walk, they run. They, that's the way they build muscle. You go to the gym, that's the way you build muscle. You put it to use, you exercise it. But there comes a point in time when you exercise your muscles the same way every time you, you, you hit what the, the people, the trainers call a plateau. Anybody here go to the gym? Anyone? All right, I see one, I see two, I see another hand. Is there another hand right there? But when you go to the gym... Like when you do it for the first time and you do exercises you've never done before, you wake up hurting. But the more you do those exercises day in, day out, what happens is your muscles, the muscles that were hurting now begin to grow. And you see results. And you're like, huh, huh, right? And it's all good. But keep doing that exercise for a long time and you'll discover, hey, why are my muscles not growing anymore? Right? I mean, what, the exercises that used to, like, make me buff and lean and tone, it's like they're not working anymore, right? You've hit a plateau. So what do the trainers do? They make you do something different. Same muscle, different exercise. They give you a harder one. They give you a more complicated one. Why? Because the exercise that used to be hard before isn't anymore. So you do another exercise, a more difficult one, then you wake up again and it's uncomfortable. And it's threat. oh, but the more you do it, the muscles now grow at a different level. What did the trainer do? The trainer just shocked your faith. Shocked your muscle. It shocks your muscle so it grows at a different level. And see, when you, when you start using your faith for greater things, and bigger things and impossible things, you shock your faith so your faith grows to a new level. But are you ready to shock your faith? Are you ready to believe for new things? Are you ready to believe for greater things? And mind you, the trainer does this. The trainer tells you the exercise. 
We have the Holy Spirit who tells us. Now, this is the exercise I want you to do now to shock your faith. Because, you know, I remember Pastor Giselle always saying, believing for a 30,000 peso mic. How many years ago? And we're not going to say because we don't want to, like, you know, belie our age. But seriously, like when we were 19, you know, like this mic took believing and speaking in tongues and praying and when we got it woo! hallelujah we have a mic now and it's wireless so we don't we don't want to do this anymore traveling but now it's like all right let's buy a mic and it's wonderful and it's good right how many mics do we need one two three okay let's buy it and yes, we do use our faith. And yes, we believe for the money. But how many of you know, it's quite easy now to believe for a mic. about the church? Oh, but you're believing for greater things now. And you're going to shock your faith now. And you're going to do things you've never done before now. Because you cannot remain. You have to move forward. You can't. And so you have to shock your faith. Say, shock your faith. You know, I read something, um, you know, um, on social media. It was really good. I'll just say it here. If you are not living on the edge, you are taking up too much room. I'll say that again. If you are not living on the edge, the edge, or you're almost going to fall over, you're taking up too much room. God can't move. God's saying, give me room. God always needs space to fill. God is always looking for room to fill. The Bible said his presence fills the temple. In Isaiah, it says the robe, what is that? The train of his robe filled the temple. He was talking about this presence and that word filled is continually filled the temple. That meant it had no end. It meant that as long as there was room, he continued to fill the room. Can I get a recording of this message? <laughs> it's speaking to me too. It's how much room are we giving God to move? How much are we believing for? What are the things we are believing for? Are we living on the edge? Or are we playing it safe and filling this up and says, good God, you can do this much. God's going to fill that. He will fill as much room as you give him. But then it'll be 10% him and 90% you. And I know you don't want that. We want 100% him. Maybe, maybe we'll just be here. <laughs> with our faith. With our believing. With our trusting in his goodness and in his plan for us. How far are you willing to go with God? How much room do you want to give him? How much do you want to shock your faith? Come on. All right, skip, skip, skip. I want to leave you with four things. So, yeah, that was the second introduction. But four things to help us step into the new and impossible things. Just so I can give you something. Number one, you focus. You keep your eyes on the goal. Don't be distracted. 
Mary was focused. Mary was focused. Do you not think she knew what it meant to be a virgin, engaged, unmarried, and to be pregnant? She had to focus. She had to focus and go, Joseph, I need to tell you something. What is it, Mary? Well, an angel visited me. Is Joseph going, mm-hmm. And he said that I was going to carry the child of our Lord. Mm-hmm. And so, Joseph, I just want to tell you, I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine Mary's focus in saying that? Knowing there could be consequences. Knowing she could be stoned. Knowing something bad might happen. But she was laser-focused on the goal. You are going to be carrying the Messiah. She knew about the Messiah. She knew the prophecies. She knew it. That's why she said, all right, I might understand everything. But this is amazing, God. So whatever it is you, you told me, let it be done to me. Focus. Keep your eyes on the goal. Because one of the weapons that the enemy will, will use when you're believing for new things and greater things is distraction. It's distraction. What is distraction? It is responding to things that are completely irrelevant to your call. That is a distraction. It is responding to things that are completely irrelevant to what God has called you to do. Like little things that will bother you. Unforgiveness is a distraction. Offense is a distraction. Offense, oh my goodness, hello, we are always going to be offended. Don't even be surprised, oh my goodness, he offended me. Of course he offended you, he's a person. You know, I mean, you offend someone for sure. Me? Yes, you. So offense is a distraction. We might feel offended, but guess what? Shake it off. Shake it off. I did this in the church. Shake it off. Like, shake it off. Can everybody do that? Shake it off. Come on, you don't need understanding to obey me right now. Just do it. Shake it off. That's what you do. When there's offense, shake it off. That's your new dance step, your new routine, your new gym training. Just shake it off. Why? It's irrelevant. It'll distract you. It'll cause you to lose focus from what God wants you to do. It will bring you down. Unforgiveness will, will get you into a place you do not want to be. So, focus. Say focus. Don't let anything steal your joy, your peace, your effectivity. Just shake it off. You know, when Peter asked Jesus, you know, when Jesus said, this is what's going to happen to you. I'm not going to read all of it because I see the pianist right here, right now. And John... <laughs> Ebo, I love you. John 21, 18 to 22. I'm not going to read all of it, but Jesus was telling Peter what was going to happen to him. It wasn't a very pretty picture, right? It's like, oh, really? That's what's going to happen to me. And then he looked back and he saw John. He said, well, what's, what's going to happen to him? Right? And what did Jesus say? He said, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? Don't get distracted by other people. You follow me. What is that to you? Why do you keep looking at other people? I have a plan for them. Don't worry about that. Don't be distracted. You follow me. You might be saying, why are we going that way, Lord? That has never been done before. Jesus says, what is that of you? I'll make a way where there seems to be no way. You follow me. 
you might be saying, why are we doing it this way, Lord? That's not how we usually do it. Well, God is saying, what is that to you? I'm doing a new thing. You follow me. And maybe you're asking, why are you asking me to do that, Lord? Nobody else is doing it. And he said, what is that to you? I have a unique call for your life. You come follow me. And you might say, I don't want to do that, Lord. What will other people say? And he says, what is that to you? Do not follow the voice of a stranger. You follow me. Oh, but God, it's too hard. It's inconvenient. He says, what is that to you? My grace is sufficient for you. And you follow me. So you focus. You focus. Number two, you sow seeds now. What you do today determines your future. The future is relying on what we do today. You sow for the new things you're believing for. And I'm not just talking about money or am I going to take an offering or anything like that. <laughs> because sowing is more than money. It's about your time. It's about your words. It's about what you're declaring because your words go before you. Your, your words are seeds that fall into the ground that cause you to have a harvest in the future that's in front of you. So sow honor. Sow honor. Sow your time. Sow your gift, your talent. Sow things you've never planted before. Sow new seed. Seeds you've never thought of planting before. Do that. Do that for the new things, for the impossible things. Amen? Because a big, strong, fruitful tree was a result of seed sown in the past. So we want to enjoy the big tree, but we don't know that seed was sown a long time ago for that. So start sowing seed now. Stop, stop worrying about going big. Seed is very small. <laughs> so stop worrying about going big. Just go deep, 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 deep. Go deep into God. Deep, in, deep into intimacy with Him. Deep into the things of God. That's how you sow. You sow deep. Don't worry about big. God is in charge of the big. We sow seed. Amen. The third thing, don't give up. Don't give up. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promises is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. God has given you a word for the impossible thing, for the new thing. Don't give up. You know what? Joseph didn't give up. Joseph didn't give up. He could have said, you know what? I'm just going to, you know, let, leave Mary, you know, let, just put her away quietly. That was his plan until the dream came. I said, no, no, that is of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine upon a man, a natural man, to be with someone who was carrying a child that wasn't really his, but he knew the plan of God in his heart. He didn't give up. He said, I'm going to go with this. I'm just going to go with what the angel said and what God is saying. Don't give up. If you fail, go at it again. If you're hurt, if you were hurt, you bounce back. It's not the end of the world. If you were betrayed, I want to encourage you to trust again. Because when one person betrays you, I'm telling you, there are seven more people who will love you, who will replace that. God is good, amen? If you were disappointed, hope again. Don't withhold your hope. Don't withhold your love. Don't withhold your prayers. Don't give up. Continue to hope, even with the risk of disappointment. Even with the risk of disappointment, just hope. Well, the Bible does say hope doesn't disappoint and we might be disappointed okay you know why because there are expectations we have 
And when our expectations do not get met, then we get disappointed. But the Bible says hope does not disappoint. So we might have to rethink our disappointment. Are we disappointed because our expectation didn't get met? God is saying it's not about your expectation. It's about my expectation for you. If you start protecting yourself from disappointment, you will ultimately embrace unbelief. Because you'll never hope, you'll never believe, you'll never trust, you'll never walk in faith, and you'll be in unbelief. If you're constantly protecting yourself from being hurt and disappointed, you will walk in unbelief, and God doesn't want that because that is not the best He has for you. Amen? You might be asking, what if it doesn't happen? Well, let me ask you another question. What if it does? What if it does? You never know, right? What if I sink? Well, then Jesus is going to be right there to pick you up. But you've walked on water. You believed God. Amen? Hallelujah. And the last thing, be thankful. Oh, God, I'm so thankful. Colossians 1.3.17 in the Amplified. Whatever you do, no matter what it is, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and in dependence on Him, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Start thanking God. It's amazing how gratitude can change your perspective. How gratitude can give you hope, can just give you this, this, this wonderful, oh, that's right. Start thanking God you have a roof over your head. Start thanking God for this church. This wonderful, awesome church, start thanking God you have amazing pastors. Start thanking God for your family. Start thanking God for the people is brought into your life. Start thanking God for your health right now, where you are, where you walked in. Start thanking God that you have the word inside of you. So when you face a hopeless situation, there are words of life that you can give. Start thanking God that in the middle of hopelessness, there is a person called hope and peace. The Lord Jesus Christ, who is the answer to everything. Start thanking God for that. And I'm telling you, your perspective is going to change. And you're going to have renewed hope. And you're going to see like what God, is, what God was saying to Mary. Mary, I've been doing this all my life. Elizabeth is pregnant. She was barren. She's old age, aged aunt. And she's pregnant. I'm doing this all over the world. If I did it for her, don't you think I'll do it for you? So be thankful. Be thankful that we serve a God who is good. He's good no matter what. Be thankful that we serve a God who is merciful. He is full of grace, of mercy, of favor. And he's pouring out, pouring pouring out upon this church. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just speak that over New Life the Port right now. Such favor and grace and blessing. The grace to shock their faith. The grace to just grab a hold of what you have prepared for them with no fear. In the name of Jesus. And, and I just speak forth that the miracle of Christmas, the impossibility becoming a possibility, would be infused into the heart and soul of this house so that it is not just for Christmas, but it is for all the days of our lives. And that is what we speak and declare in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Did you get anything today? Oh, God bless you.
Thank you for listening. For more information, follow us on social media or visit us at newlifetheford.com.